Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What. Today we've got Kiki on and she is a scientific communicator. Hi Kiki. Hi. How are we today? Doing very well. Good. Um, should we jump straight into it then? Do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yeah, so I am a science communicator, broadly speaking. It basically means that I enjoy communicating to people about scientific um scientific subjects. So mainly what I focus on is animal work and communicating with people about the good that AZA facilities do, so zoos and aquariums. Um, but yeah, broadly speaking, I just love talking to people about animals. A pretty cool job. So how did you sort of get involved in this world then? Yeah, so I had a bit of a journey with it. Um, actually growing up, I wanted to be a zookeeper from when I was around four years old. Um, really looked up to Steve Irwin and Jack Hanna. Those were science communicators that I grew up watching. And um, I thought, man, I really wanna be just like them. I wanna go be a zookeeper. It wasn't till recently, I think a couple of years ago that I realized they're actually not zookeepers, they're science communicators. So I started off doing some zookeeper work and found out through that, that I really liked talking to people about animals. Then I switched to being a conservation educator at a AZA zoo facility and um, did that for about a year and a half. And then through that discovered a real love for um, digital communication. So using reels or Instagram or Facebook lives broadcasts to create social media content that can be spread and reach even more people. So um, kind of dove into that and then um, currently, I work as a program specialist for a state park. So I teach programs to homeschool students and preschool students about the natural world. Wow, very cool. Yeah. So do you have, have you tailored your sort of education towards going down this route? Yeah, in, in a way. So when I was in high school, I um, started doing a lot of the science courses that I could get. So college level, we do um, advanced placement AP classes in high school here in the States. Um, I'm not sure how it looks over in the UK, but basically that meant um, I took a AP environmental science class, which means you get the books that the college students are studying and you go ahead and study them in high school. Um, and you can get college credit when you take those courses, which is very, very helpful and nice to skip a couple classes in college <laughs> or at university. But um, yeah, so in high school, I went ahead and started focusing on some of those science courses to kind of dip my toes in the water, see how I liked it. And I really, really loved all of my bio and physics classes and everything like that. Then when I went to university, I started off as a biology major and I did do two years of university, but I wound up going ahead and getting enough experience in the field that I did not finish my degree as I went ahead and did an internship and then got a job at a zoo and went ahead and dove in. Yeah. Why not? So you talk about um, conservation careers on your Instagram. Um, how mm -hmm. did that kind of uh, want to talk to people about all the different careers within conservation come about because there's not really a ton of great advice out there at the moment is there yeah no it's very much lacking out there and it's fair because a lot of people aren't really familiar with it they're only familiar with the job that they have and I think what kind of sparked that for me is I had a similar experience so when I was growing up I would tell people I loved animals I wanted to work with animals and everybody, all the adults would always be like, oh, you want to be a vet? And I'd be like, no, I definitely don't want to be a vet. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and then it'd be like, oh, so you want to be a zookeeper? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be a zookeeper. And everybody in my life when I was growing up and myself included assumed that those were the two roles. You either got to be a veterinarian or you got to be a zookeeper. And that's how you helped animals and took care of animals and work with them. And I really thought those were the only two options. And it wasn't until 
I was 20 years old in my first internship at a zoo that I discovered any job that you do in the world can be tied back to helping wildlife and can be tied back to helping animals. I mean, every zoo has a graphic designer that they employ. Every zoo has a maintenance worker that they employ. I mean, the local zoo where I am is technically also a botanical garden. So they hire botanists also to work there. So um, I think that really got me excited about that. Like, cause I met so many people along the way. I've had so many people reach out to me in my career journey already being like, man, I really wanted to work with kids when I was growing up or not kids, animals. When I was growing up, I really wanted to help them. But then I got older and I just realized I didn't want to be a zookeeper. So I gave up and I'm like, Oh man, that's not the only option. There's so many options out there to help animals. And you shouldn't have to give up on that childlike passion. When you get to be an adult, you should be able to tie it into what you do. 100%. So what are some of these other careers within conservation people can think about? Because I probably naively would say a very similar thing to, to most people, you know, you can be a vet or you can be a zookeeper, but mm-hmm. what else is kind of out there? There's so many, I mean, just within zoos alone, which um, is the main area that I'm most familiar with. I mean, there's um, at the top of the line, as far as animal work is concerned, there's a zoo curator, and that's basically the manager of all the zookeepers. And at that point, you're doing a lot less hands-on work with the animals, unless it's more emergency situations with animals. You're the kind of the problem solver if an animal gets really sick because you have the most experience. But basically, you're supervising all of the other zookeepers. And then as you go down the line, you have a zookeeper level three who really supervises the entire area. So they might supervise the carnivore area. And then you have a zookeeper two, and they're going to work with big cats and instead of small cats and the other zookeeper two works with the small cats and not the big cats. And then you have a zookeeper one who is kind of just the tier one person of caretaking for a certain group of animals, maybe kind of just came out of their internship level. And then you have interns. So that's just within the level of zookeeping alone. You have like five or six different roles that you can work and they're all divided by species. Um, So you can work with a number of different species. And that's another thing people think if you're a zookeeper, you work with every species, but really a zookeeper is either a hoofstock zookeeper or a carnivore zookeeper or a bird zookeeper or a primate zookeeper. So it's really divided up. And then outside of that, you have every zoo has administration. They have HR. Every good zoo has an education department. So a lot of people that I've worked with actually used to be science teachers at a high school or a university. And then they switched to working at a zoo to teach people about wildlife. So really, I mean, any job that you have that you have skills and can be tied back to serving wildlife in some way. And they're probably severely lacking in that area because so many people don't realize that. That's awesome. The other thing is you're to conserve the animals and um, do this practice. One of the best ways is obviously to get more and more people involved with it. So your role mm-hmm. is sort of like um trying to feed more and more people into it is that sort of a goal for you when you set out to just try and get more educate more people to have them involved in this industry yeah in in a way so i think it's always good to get more people on the team to help with conservation instead of people just giving up on it and going to be an accountant because everybody loses (laughs) then the person who loves an animal they lose on living out that passion and getting to work with animals. And then the animals lose too, because they have this person who could have been an advocate for them. Sorry, if you hear my cat, he's got separation anxiety. (laughs) He's always like right next to my shoulder. (laughs) But um, so, yeah, I think um, in a way, I think it's helpful, but mainly for me, I just, I really have fun um, getting people 
back into their passion because I've been so fortunate as to know what I was passionate about since I was four and really follow into that passion and have a support system that really helped me lean into that. My parents were always very supportive with my work, but for a lot of people, they they really just need somebody to tell them that their passion is possible. They really just need somebody to tell them like, yeah, you don't have to choose between money and, um, and your passion. You don't have to choose between, um, being successful in other people's eyes and like being successful in your own eyes. Like you, you can walk in what you're passionate about and that's going to be the most fulfilling thing. So I think most of it for me comes from just being such a passionate person. And I want to see other people be that fulfilled and passionate about their work as well. Uh, you obviously touched on it slightly earlier. You've um, obviously one of the initial ways to teach people is like one-to-one you know someone goes to a zoo um mm-hmm. they can read about it talk to the zookeepers talk to people like yourself but you've started mm-hmm. um branching out further and further such as your instagram and things like that to try and get the voice out further um can you talk a little bit more about what you do there yeah what i do on my instagram yeah certainly yeah so on my instagram i mainly use that as a platform to teach people fun facts about animals because lots of times I'll find out a fun fact and I'm like, the world needs to know. This is so cool. I need to tell everybody. So that's a great time when I'll make a little reel and try to make it funny and relatable so that it can kind of spread this cool fact about how big baby blue whales are when they're born. Cause it's crazy. Um, so that's one way is kind of just an outlet for what I'm super interested in. And then the other way is trying to educate people about um, the different options in conservation careers. So maybe kind of recapturing those people that are about to give up on that as a possible career path and kind of reoriented them towards their passion again. Um, And then also giving them a realistic view, like, hey, it's not gonna be all petting and playing with animals. It's gonna be a lot of hard work. It's gonna be a lot of scooping poop if you're a zookeeper. (laughs) It's gonna be a lot of paperwork if you're working for AZA because everything's really done in a a formal matter to make sure the animals are really being well cared for and respected. And um, so, Yeah, I think on my Instagram, it's mainly a fun education thing that I do to try to make relatable content for zookeepers um, or conservationists, and then also trying to reach young conservationists who are trying to get into the field or kind of learn about it a little bit. I think it's difficult for people to sort of break into fields now, and that's sort of nearly every field there is. Um, And -hmm. conservation is, you know, although we're saying not a lot of people are or not enough people are aware of it it's still you know a highly desirable role to work mm-hmm. within with animals and and how do people stand out to get these jobs can they do things like you can they create social media where they can help educate people before they even get the jobs yeah absolutely and um i would say you have to be careful with the stuff that you're putting out because um there are a lot of people who are really like anti a lot of animal work. And so um, I've attracted some attention from my uh, not target audience when making reels. <laughs> um, but, you know, hey, that's boosted my engagement a ton. So, you know, whatever. But yeah. um, I would say you want to be careful with the content that you're putting out and just make sure that um, you're not like speaking out against who your future employers might be um, and that you're also not like shaming people for not being educated about the good that zoos and aquariums do. So I would just say, be careful with the content that you put out there and make sure that 
um, you're representing what you know in a humble light, but an educational light. But I, I think the best advice that I have for somebody who's going into the field would just be to find a way to get your foot in the door. I think the most intimidating thing that happens is, um, people are young and they look at somebody who's like 40 years old and has been working in the field for 15, 20 years. And they say, man, I really want to, I want to be a zoo curator. I want to have their job. And then that's where it stops. Like they look at the qualifications for a zoo curator job and they go, oh, well, I'm definitely not qualified for that. And that's so many years and I really can't do that. And then they just give up on it or really don't know where to start. And so I think a great thing that I like to do is stalk people's LinkedIn profiles. <laughs> so if I really like what somebody is doing um, and I admire them, I'll go and I'll scroll back on their job history on LinkedIn and say, where did you start? Like, how did you first get your foot in the door? with this great little piece of advice that is a really I've never thought about doing that that's really clever yeah it's very very helpful and then a lot of people are also really really willing to share their knowledge if you reach out to them so if you find somebody on LinkedIn who has your dream job what do you lose by sending them a message and saying hey like how did you start what was your first job and how did you meet people how did you get could you give me a quick rundown on how you got where you're where you are today because I really admire it and I would like to do something like that in my life and I have done that multiple times with different roles that I've really admired and had wonderful responses from people. I think only once or twice have people not been helpful and about 12 times they have been. So overwhelmingly people are really willing to share that knowledge of what they're passionate about because they're passionate about it. So um, yeah, my advice would be to kind of look at some people and kind of figure out how you want to orient your life to follow in a similar pattern that they did to get where they are. And then also to just make more attainable goals. So I knew I wanted to work with animals. The closest job to me was working as a kennel tech. So that's what I did. I worked as a kennel tech at a dog boarding place for eight months. I mean, and that definitely wasn't a zookeeping job and it definitely wasn't a major conservationist job, but it was a foot in the door. And that's how I got my first zookeeping internship was with that experience. And for people who, um, may be quite early on in their careers not even like during school what Mm -hmm. would you sort of recommend for them to start just even doing in their own time um that they can help yeah i would say um find a place near you to volunteer at i mean there's probably a park near you that needs help maybe they run summer camp programs and you can help teach kids there maybe um you can help with a local wildlife rehabilitator and just help with some of the bottle feeding for babies in springtime when when they're really overrun there's um there's very low staffing for a lot of those jobs and kind of low pay so a lot of people won't be interested in it so if you can get some experience volunteering and then also help out a conservationist, those connections will really help you. And the experience will be really, really wonderful. So you can start volunteering super young. I think I started volunteering at a zoo when I was 12 years old, just to get some experience in. Cool. Um, What would be some personality traits that you sort of see in yourself and some of your colleagues around you that um, you think are key for this industry? Oh man passion and confidence. I feel like that's really what you need and not even confidence of you can, you're extroverted and you can walk into a room and talk to anybody confidence in what you're capable of and confidence in what you're passionate of. Because if you have passion for the work that you're going to do, it's going to show in job interviews. It's going to show in the work that you put out and you can be confident in, in your passion alone. And that will like shine through so much. So I think having, um, 
having a passion for your work and then leaning into that in your walk and then having a confidence that your passion is irreplaceable and nobody else has it like you do. And that's why you need to do the work that you are inspired to do because nobody else will and nobody else can how you can. Um, so I think just kind of growing that confidence in yourself and that confidence in your passion um, is really important. But I mean, everybody in the zoo world is so different from each other though. I mean, a lot of people work with animals because they're not good with people and they don't like people. So um, <laughs> it's it's a great career option if you're not a people person actually, but um, anybody can really get into the field. And for you, what's been the biggest positive or opportunity you've had out of this career so far? Oh, that's a great question. Um, like I said, I've had a really great support system. Um, so I've had a lot of really great opportunities. Um, I think, I think one of the most pivotal moments for me was, um, I knew that I wanted to start doing more kind of media content. Cause in the long run, I want to do wildlife presenting for like TV shows and documentaries cool. and that kind of work. Yeah. And so I know that's like a long-term goal for me. So, um, I actually found a zookeeper in Australia who I, I really liked. Um, you should follow him on Instagram. Is that I Dan? can't remember his at, um, Dan? no zookeeper, Dan, I think he works with him. I feel, or yeah, wait, he's, is that guy he's at been San on Diego? our podcast. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That zookeeper, Dan, is at San Diego? Uh, no, he's, or in, is he no, in, he's in Australia. He's in Australia. Yeah. Is he at Australia Reptile Park? Yes, he is. Okay. Yes. So he works with, or worked with Brandon, um, Gifford. Gifford? Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. He's great. Um, and I think he's been on a couple podcasts as well, um, about animal work, but Brandon was making videos with Australian reptile park. And I think they were called 30 seconds with Brandon. They're really cool, but they were just very quick videos. Um, talking about wildlife, getting out as many facts as he could about an animal in 30 seconds. And I reached out to him and I was like, these videos are awesome. They're so engaging. They're so quick and witty. And I love them. Do you think I could recreate something like this at the zoo that I work for? Would that be all right? And he was like, Oh yeah, like go for it. Um, so I reached out to the social media team at the zoo that I was working at at the time and pitched it to them. Um, and they really loved the idea. And so I got to start making, um, these videos, they were called, uh, fast fact Fridays, um, with, uh, zoo Atlanta. And, uh, I would just talk as many facts as I could in 30 seconds about an animal while holding it and showing it to the camera. And, um, I think that was a great opportunity to kind of develop those camera skills as well as develop copywriting skills for like the content for quick videos and just have something to showcase in my resume of like, I can do this and I can talk in front of the camera. And it was a great way to just kind of feel it out. Like, do I actually enjoy this? Cause I like the idea of it. And I think I want to be a wildlife presenter, but let's actually give it a go and, and see how I like it. And then I really, really did like it. So that's probably the best opportunity. I'm really grateful that I got to do that at the zoo. And it really solidified that love of um kind of camera wildlife presentation for me and on the the other side of that what would be some less favorable aspects of this industry poop yeah <laughs> a lot of poop yeah um yeah i think that's like the main downside um and, and it really again it depends on the work that you do if you are an educator at a zoo you're not having to deal with like any animal poop except for if one poops while you're like holding it and presenting it to a group of kids which has happened but um 
if you're a zookeeper, it's just so much hard labor and so much like scrubbing poop off walls and cleaning poop off beams and cleaning poop off yourself. And like, it's, it's just a lot of that. So I think that's like the major downside. And then, um, another one is that when you work for, um, like really, really well-established zoos and aquariums or conservation organizations, as I said, they have to be very careful with what they put out. Um, because there are a lot of people who are like anti-zoos and anti-aquariums. And so the restrictions on the kind of work that you'll get to do, um, is going to be higher. So if you work for a small startup, I, you have a lot more opportunities of what you can put out, but if you're working for a more established facility, it's a lot more red tape to work through. So you kind of have to be patient with some of the projects that you might want to put out. So it can be challenging for a young person who's really creative and really wants to get everything out immediately because you have to be patient and you have to really put in the work and prove that it's a, it's a good opportunity for the zoo as well as you. And what's something that's probably not in the job description, but you have to deal with? Hmm. Um, Although the poop's probably not in the job description. Yeah. But. Well, <laughs> it, it is. Be. It just, yeah. it kind of gets glossed over. They're like cleaning and maintaining habitats. And you're like, <laughs> oh, that doesn't sound so bad. It's, <laughs> it's bad, but um, I, that's a great question. I would say just navigating, um, navigating like relationships with people in your personal life who are going to be very anti-zoo and anti-aquarium work. Um, you're going to meet a lot of people along the way who are going to challenge you. And this is really, this is really only if you're in the zoo field. So if you're in any other form of conservation work, um, you're not going to deal with this as much, but I personally have dealt with a lot of issues with people where I'm just talking to them and they're like, Oh, what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I work for a zoo. And then they're like, oh, you work for a zoo. evil. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I love animals. And that's why I work at a zoo. Like you think, everybody who loves animals is just like throwing their morals out the door to work at a zoo. No, we actually love animals. What are you doing to help animals? Like, yeah. Uh, so I think that's something that's not in the job description is how, how often you will kind of have to have confidence about your work and confidence in the good that you're doing. People are going to try to make you feel bad about it. Certainly. And what do you know now that you wish you had known when you started this whole journey? Hmm. Um, your passion will be used against you sometimes by employers. Um, and this is a very common experience from many people in the field. I think, um, just, just because you're passionate about the work doesn't mean you shouldn't be compensated for it. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a reasonable work-life balance mm -hmm. and you're valid in that. Like you're valid in wanting to be paid reasonably for the work that you're doing and you're valid in, um, you're valid in needing space from your work sometimes and um, needing like a day off every now and then. So I think um, it's pretty common if you're like a really, really young, passionate, like new to the field, kind of naive person going in you're like, oh, like this is so fun. Everything's great for employers to be like, oh, well, if you're so passionate, then you don't mind working 50 hours this week and not getting a lunch break if you're really so passionate. And it's like, no, I shouldn't have to choose between being treated like a human being and like being passionate about my work. And there's a happy middle ground there. And I think um, it's important to tell young people, like you shouldn't have to sacrifice that and mm. you're valid and wanting to be able to enjoy your work that you're passionate about. You should be able to walk in that passion and not have it sucked out of you. 
um, from being overworked. So 100%. And so you've also got a podcast and you also create art. Is that right? Yes. So what, what, what's the podcast about and where did the sort of desire to start making this art come from? Yeah. So, um, the podcast is keeper talks with Kiki. Um, and it's just about animals. Um, it's either me interviewing other conservationists and, um, talking with them about, um, the animals that they're passionate about and the work that they do. Um, or it's just me talking about an animal that I'm really passionate about and answering questions that people sent me about the animal. Um, And uh, the desire for that kind of came actually when COVID hit. And um, that's when I stopped working for the zoo that I was at in my area. And, um, and I just really missed talking to people about animals. So I started posting Instagram uh, TV, IGTV videos, and you can find those all on my Instagram. But I started making those about uh, just over a year ago. And just talking to people about animals and then people really enjoyed it. So this January, I turned it into a podcast so that it would be more accessible. And then the artwork that I do, it's really just fun. I just all the time will get ideas of like little animals that I want to draw, or I'll have friends who work in the conservation field and they need a logo for their work. And, um, I just enjoy making it. So my artwork, um, uh, that's uh, my company for that is called peachy giraffe. And, um, yeah, it's just fun little animal illustrations or stickers for wildlife. And then, um, proceeds from that I'm like putting aside because I'm planning to move to Australia to work with wildlife there. Wow. So yeah. Very cool. I love the little, uh, the little sloth on the love heart. That's pretty cool. I know. I love that <laughs> very one. Cute. So cute. Thanks. <laughs> and, uh, would you still go into this industry knowing everything you know now? Oh, hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that there are downsides and there's downsides with every job. You might as well have the downsides comes with the job that you love, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I absolutely, there's nothing I would rather do. Um, I would, I would so much rather have a bad day and know that, um, the next seven days are going to be filled with passion and love and fulfillment in the work that I'm doing. So absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Kiki. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And where can people find you and your Instagram and everything you're doing? Yeah, so my Instagram is at Kiki Myhawk. So that's K-I-K-I-M-I-H-O-K. And that's just going to have all of my Instagram TV videos and my reels and everything. And then the link to my um, art page is also in the bio for that. And then my podcast, Keeper Talks with Kiki, can be found anywhere that you get your podcasts. So Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever. Um, and then my LinkedIn is also Kiki Myhawk. So if you want to connect with me, connect with me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It was a great pleasure.